I think we I think uh, we have Priscilla Grimm joining us uh, here. Priscilla, are, are you there? I am. Hello. Hi. All right. Well, this. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, uh, thank Priscilla. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So uh, Priscilla was one of the editors of the Occupy Wall Street Journal uh, during Occupy, uh, a sister publication that we were uh, good friends with, and um, has stayed in, involved with various uh, Occupy-related formations, various Occupy-related formations uh, since then. Uh, so uh, just for starters, uh, Priscilla, can, can you uh, fill us in on what uh, different Occupy groups and Occupy influence groups are doing around the 10th anniversary, which will kick off later this week? Yeah, it's really exciting. Um, people who are involved with the Occupy movement across the United States and maybe worldwide, I'm not sure if they'll be uh, joining in the celebrations, but um, definitely in New York and Los Angeles, we're going to have um, events around uh, our various uh, anniversaries. And it, it's really just people gathering back at Zuccotti Park and, you know, back at the stock exchange to remind them that, you know, we're still here. Um, and also just to, for the audience to understand, you know, a lot of the other Occupy Wall Street encampments that happened around the U.S., the encampments that were destroyed by the federal government, <clears throat> um, you know, they grew starting um, at the end of September into mid-October and just kept going from there. So really what we're doing is we're going into a month of celebration to look back at a lot of the achievements that we've gotten. I mean, you know, Fight for 15 was kind of just a dream when Occupy Wall Street happened. And now over 74 jurisdictions, including cities, counties, and states, have all raised their minimum wages, many of them to $15 an hour or more at this point. So um, we have a lot of things to be thankful for, um, you know, it, you know, changing both public opinion and the actual realities of what we, the people, um, can receive from our government in the sense of support has really drastically changed uh, since 2011. Um it may not seem like a lot, but it's a lot more than we got 20 years prior. So really looking forward to um, meeting minds in the streets and talking about those achievements. And, and talk a little bit more about what organizing grew from, from Occupy and, and what the organizers of Occupy have been doing in the past 10 years, you know, to garner that public support. It's not like it just happened during Occupy. No, it didn't just happen. I mean, you have, so one in the very virtual realm, you know, you had like some scrappy DIY media people who to this day still are delivering um, audiences on Facebook and um and Twitter, it's up to, it's almost 60 million people a year that we've been reaching for 10 years, which is quite a broad reach and quite a, a really powerful tool of engagement that is not, um, is not censored or managed by nonprofit organizations or politicians. Um, you know, these teams of which I work on, um, you know, we support their causes, certainly, 
but we're never going to be in a place where we say, no, world revolution is not necessary. We're never going to say, no, and, you know, capitalism can be friendly. No, it can't. It's destroying us. So that's like the very baseline. So building on that, you know, a year after Occupy Wall Street was squashed by the federal government, um, we had Occupy Sandy that sprung up in the wake of Hurricane Sandy, which, you know, much of the Rockaways and that coast of New York was completely destroyed. And while FEMA was handing out, you know, crackers and a phone and an ATM machine, like it was ridiculous. Um, Occupy Sandy volunteers were helping people remediate mold out of their houses. They were helping people get fresh food, hot food delivered to them. They were surveying and canvassing the areas so they could find out who needed what, if they needed medication, doctors, whatever, um, childcare. Um, they were doing that work. And out of that, you know, I think we see these, these super radical um, politicians now, especially in New York, um, state and city, um, you know, uh, we're looking, you know, we're looking at a place in a moment where we had the biggest rent protections, tenant protections ever in the past 20 or 30 years past last year, right. that wouldn't have happened without, you know, without, the messaging and the activists of Occupy moving into these other realms. I mean, you know, certainly electoral um, involvement was not the goal at all of Occupy Wall Street, which was started largely by anarchists, but it is a happy coincidence that it happened out of it. Right. So, um, yes, I would say so. Can but can you uh, sort of break it down a little bit more? I mean, so, so Occupy, you know, said we are the 99%, the 1% have rigged the system. And, uh, you know, what was, can you talk, I guess, starting on the electoral side, I mean, would you say that was something that, that was amplified by the Bernie Sanders presidential campaigns? Is that, is that where they, they kind of like took that message to the next level and then really introduced sort of a Occupy um, critique into into mainstream politics and that other people have seized on? I don't think Bernie would have gotten to the place that he did in the presidential in his presidential run in uh, 2016 without the support of Occupy Wall Street. Honestly, um, Occupy Wall Street activists, not necessarily the movement, but um, you know, and it helped. It changed the conversation completely because before then, you wouldn't have social media being as much of an influencing part to that discussion as uh you wouldn't have had that um support for kitchen table conversations to maybe be more open to bernie sanders and his campaign and what he represented without this other narrative that was popping up and being able to be delivered into people's cell phones and in their browsers and emerging conversation over kitchen tables so and and while we've seen um, a lot of, you know, growth in public support of these ideas that we've just been speaking about, it's undeniable that the system that Occupy was confronting, in a way, has gotten worse. Oh, yes. So talk about that tension. I mean, there's more awareness, but capitalism feels more suffocating than ever. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know about the dying scream. The dying scream is the loudest one ever, right? 
And I would say, if anything, we're looking at a big dying scream of capitalism right now. And um, they're pulling out all the stocks, aren't they? So going to take we, the rest we, of us with them? I, I certainly hope not. <laughs> I really hope not. I mean, you know, you also have a huge network of mutual aid circles that have popped up in the past couple of years out of, uh, you know, a need of the crisis. I mean, what was Occupy Sandy if not like a big mutual aid, a big mutual aid circle um, of thousands of people? Yeah, so you, you see a connection from Occupy Sandy to the, the pandemic. pandemic. Oh, absolutely. Emerged. Oh, absolutely. I mean, because, you know, when Occupy Sandy emerged, you had this big mutual aid effort that came out, but you really understand, you know, especially the activists who are part of it, it was not sustainable the way it was set up. But these smaller neighborhood-based mutual aid circles that are popping up all over the United States, not just in New York City, um, you know, are really providing possibilities in ways that we couldn't imagine even five years ago. So, I mean, you have, um, you have mutual aid organizations like Equality for Flatbush, which has been delivering just immense resources to the communities in Flatbush, um, both groceries and non-perishable items that you need for your home. I mean, I don't know that the kind of support for something at that level would have been possible without um, people's imaginations being opened up to what could be political involvement. It's the personal is the political again, right? And we have to help our neighbors before we even think about, you know, crushing these systems. We have to set up ways in which we can um, support each other before we start figuring out how to break these systems so that we can move forward. Because breaking systems is also going to make new thing, new needs emerge immediately. And um, we have to be ready to, to meet that if we're going to actually do this and figure out how to abolish policing and prisons, figure out how to move forward in an environmentally sustainable way. Um, Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Mutual aid. It, it, that's a great point about it. You know, laying the groundwork for, for what happens next. Speaking Absolutely. Of, speaking of what happens next, um, what more groundwork do you think needs to be laid to see another uh, uprising like Occupy? I mean, Occupy, as big as it seems, seemed, was still a very small portion of the population, you know, my daughter is 18 now and she was eight when it was happening, but she's 18 now. And you, you know, you ask kids who are 18 about Occupy Wall Street, they have no idea that it happened like none, mm -hmm. although they're doing way better. I don't know that they're new that Gen Z's, um, uh, engagement with politics is quite amazing. And I'm in awe of it every day. Um, but so there's obviously, you know, there are millions of people who have no idea that that even happened, but that's on the onus of all of us who were involved in that movement and want to see the possibilities of mutual aid, of moving forward out of a capitalist system. Like, you know, that's work that we have to do every single day and making sure that there are different ways that people can plug in and connect in 
in their own communities. I mean, you know, the Facebook page that I work on um, with other activists, we have an automatic response when people send messages into the page that says we're all volunteer effort. You can't reach to us. You can't reach us personally. You know, we're just here when we're here. And what you should do is find those institutions, those organizations, those groups of people in your hometown who are doing the work of what you want to see in the next version of the world and support them, give them life, put your efforts there. Right. We're going to have to leave here in a minute, but do you want to uh, let people know ways they can uh, either get in touch with some of these Occupy groups here in New York and if there's um, anything happening at Zuccotti Park in the coming days that's uh, worth people uh, dropping by for? um, Definitely. We have about 30 seconds, then we have to go. People's Puppets of Occupy Wall Street will be in the park this weekend. Everybody should show up to Zuccotti Park and, of course, Wall Street. The closing bell is at 4 o'clock, so maybe show up around 2 We'll have some fun. Okay. All right. Well, Priscilla Grimm uh, from Occupy Wall Street Journal, thank you so much for joining us this evening. And come um, to yeah. Occupy Wall NYC. Occupy Wall NYC is the website. Okay. All right. Great. Once again, uh, Priscilla Grimm, thank you so much for joining us this evening on WBAI Radio. Thank you. <laughs>